Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, featuring this week's interviews with Lauren Murphy and Josh Emmett, are brought to you by Human Weapon Clothing. Human Weapon Clothing is a high-quality MMA clothing brand that bucks the trend of the skull and blazon shirts that you're used to. Instead, they bring you high-quality clean shirts that are comfortable and show off your love for the sport. So if you're sick of what the average MMA clothing brand brings to the table, head on over to HumanWeapon.com and use promo code FLOW, that's F. L-O, to get 15% off your first order. Human Weapon Clothing brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Reeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we have the pleasure of speaking to Josh Emmett coming fresh off his devastating KO win over Ricardo Lamas at UFC on Fox 26. Uh, Josh, you know, you, you stated kind of shortly after beating Lamas that you'd be open to a rematch with him, which it, it isn't typically a response right after a fight. Uh, why so open to a rematch with a guy who you just beat pretty handedly? I was just kind of entertaining the fact that uh, someone asked me that since I didn't make the way, if I would... Uh, give him a rematch and I said yeah because he gave me this opportunity and um, so I, I would gladly do that but it's like you know in my opinion if it was a close fight and then I, I like got a split decision or something then I would definitely do the rematch but to be honest I want to just keep moving forward um, that was a you know I, I took that fight on three week notice I had two week camp to train for that I was sick for the two weeks and uh, on antibiotics and then I went out there to you know cut weight and it was it was somewhat of a easy fight, you know. But the the biggest win of my career. Um, so to be honest, I I, I want to keep moving forward until I uh, get that title around my waist. Yeah. So that that actually brings up two questions with me. One I was already prepared to ask, uh, being that you know you you missed weight, uh, and and obviously that so that was more of uh, due to the fact that you were on antibiotics and feeling ill than you know a mismanagement or or too little of time. No, it's not. No, I was just saying as far as the camp, you know, I just didn't prepare that much for that fight. But uh, um, no, I, I was right on track. I was just a little heavier than I was for the Poland fight mm-hmm. um, by a few pounds. And uh, just with the time frame, there's just no possible way that I, I could have made the weight. I would have been in the same boat. I probably would have missed it by like a pound and a half, drained myself a little more. And, uh, you know, I think I paid the price because I, I ended up giving 30% of my purse to him. And that's more than usual, and I was ineligible for that fifty thousand dollars bonus that I would have got too. Yeah, and, and obviously the the benefits and the the costs are, are probably fifty fifty after getting such a big win like that too. Uh, let's talk about the fact that you said you're looking forward now. So obviously you want a higher ranked opponent or somebody who's going to bring you up further than Lamas. There are only three people in the UFC rankings ranked above Ricardo Lamas going into that fight, and those are Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway. Um, obviously, you know, a, a jump from being unranked straight to a title fight seems pretty big, but are one of the other two names uh, kind of the logical one you want next? Yeah, and, and uh, what I'm thinking uh, that makes most sense to me right now is I think Holloway and Edgar are going to fight. Um, everyone's talking about Brian Ortega being in title contentions. Aldo just, you know, fought and lost. Um, but I think, I think it makes most sense for Brian Ortega and I to fight. And the winner of us get the winner of Holloway Edgar. Love it. That's a that's a very sellable fight for me, uh, knowing that both of you have some some pretty serious grappling shots. How do you think you match up uh, in a bout with Brian Ortega? 
I think I match up well. You know, I, the reason why I went to featherweight is because I know I'll be a world champion. Um, I just had to get the opportunity that was presented to me with the Lamas fight, and I passed that with flying colors. I think, uh, you know, Ortega and I will be an exciting fight for the fans. You know, he has great stand-up. I do, too. Um, he, he's phenomenal on the ground. I have, you know, great, you know, catch wrestling, wrestling, and even I'm, I have good at jiu-jitsu as well. I just haven't got to, uh, you know, showcase that yet. But, uh, yeah, I think it would be a an entertaining fight for the fans and, and a fight that everybody wants to see. Everyone keeps talking about it now. Yeah, and th- that certainly is one, too. And if there's a card in California coming on up uh, with both of you being California guys, that it makes even more sense. Yeah, I, w- I would like that. But uh, I don't know about the, the, the commission, the rules in uh, <laughs> California for the weight. So I-, I would like to see that in Vegas. Okay, see it in Vegas to avoid the rules. Uh, yeah, but with all the commissions being uh, a little bit different, it certainly does uh, does make a difference where you're fighting, huh? Yeah, just because I, I know you have to come in, I think it's like uh, a month out, you have to be within 8% of your weight, and, and I think that'd be a little challenging for me. Um, so I, I would like to do it in Vegas. And, and even when Burrell, he didn't make weight in Sacramento a long time ago, and then they went down to Southern California. California to fight, they made them do a catch weight. That's when he fought Aljamain mm-hmm. at 140 mm-hmm. because they wanted to allow him to even go 135. So I wouldn't want there to be any um, anything like that happen if we were to fight. Yeah, yeah, you definitely don't want to to run into a situation where it's going to cost you ranking uh, in your division. So let, let's talk about your division too, because if you did get that fight with Ortega, obviously that that would look a whole hell of a lot like a number one contender fight, which leaves you with uh, whoever wins a match between Frankie Edgar and, and Max Holloway. Who do you like in a fight between Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway? Yeah, I, I think I match up really well against either of them. Um, Frankie Edgar and I have similar styles, so I think it would be uh, pretty similar to what we just saw. Not saying the knockout or anything, but Lamas, you know, he, he's a phenomenal wrestler. He has great boxing, great footwork. He has cardio for days, and, and, I, and I'm right there with him. And then Holloway, he, he's a great champion. He uh, he hasn't really been – he has great jiu-jitsu too, but a lot of his fights are standing up, and uh, he has good takedown defense. But uh, people haven't really exposed him as far as putting him on his back yet. So it, I, I like them both, you know. Yeah, that's certainly true too. And if he's going to fight Frankie Edgar, you're probably going to see uh, somebody try to put him on his back. One one sort of final question here as we wrap it up. Uh, obviously, if you and Ortega wound up a number one contenders fight. Uh, it, it would certainly be in consideration for like a fight night main event. And obviously if you won that, you would be looking at a main event for a title anyway. Uh, you know, how do you feel that you would match up in a five round fight against any of those guys, knowing that, you know, your last fight was super short uh, and, and, you know, in recent memory, you only have one uh, three round fights. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can go five rounds. I, before I got in the UFC, I was a champion in a West coast fighting championship, but it's a re- regional um, organization and uh yeah so I've, I've fought five rounds i've trained for five round fights and, and i can go the distance i get my second win in the fourth round so championship rounds are not uh an issue for me at all all right and then one last sort of final up question you know you and ortega both neither of you seemingly took too much damage if that is the fight to make uh how quickly would you like to get back in there um i'm actually i'm going to italy i'll be in italy on saturday for two weeks so uh going out there for Christmas to visit my brother in the military. He's, he's getting uh, an award. So we're going to his ceremony, but yeah, whatever the UFC wants, uh, whether it be in 
you know, April, May, June. I, I'm up for whatever, but I, I would really like this one to be in Vegas. And we both have a huge crowd since he's from Southern California. I'm from Sacramento, Northern California, and uh, we'd, ha- we'd have everyone out there. So that would be an awesome experience, and uh, I hope we can make that happen. Well, you've certainly sold me on the fight. So uh, once again, Josh Emmett coming off his recent KO win over Ricardo Lamas at UFC on Fox 26, hoping for a bout with Brian Ortega. Uh, once again, Josh, thank you so much for the time. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. This is Daniel Gumby Reeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we have the pleasure of speaking to Lauren Murphy, who picked up a big victory this weekend against Barb Honchak at the Ultimate Fighter finale. Uh, Lauren, uh, you have not been real lucky when it comes to the judges in the past. Be honest, how <laughs> nervous were you when they were reading that decision? Uh, I don't know. I actually wasn't that nervous that time because I felt so strongly that I had won it and like, I, just, I don't know, just something, I just knew in my heart that it was going to go my way, and I kind of felt that way before the fight. So, um, I I don't know, I had a big smile. I would just watch the replay earlier this morning, and I, I just had a big smile on my face when they were reading the decision, but um, I was still super relieved because you know, I've been wrong about stuff before. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and obviously, yeah, with the, the, what I was alluding to there being the first two decisions that uh, were a little on the questionable side. Uh, so, so she obviously fought a really, really tough, really smart fight uh, in that. Was Were you really surprised by anything that she did in there? I was surprised she didn't wrestle more. We were really expecting her to shoot on me and try and get on top. And I was shocked that she did not. So I, I don't know what that was all about. And I was also surprised that I was able to take her down twice. Um, we had trained together before, and on Ultimate Fighter, it was really difficult for me to take her down. And she took me down several times when we were trained together. So to not see that replayed in the fight um, surprised me quite a bit. Um, but, you know, good. I'm glad. So Yeah, and, and, and it's kind of interesting to hear you say this, too, because it sounds like you had a really distinct game plan, which is crazy to consider seeing as you took the fight on 24 hours notice at the weigh-in, uh, you know, so uh, I got to ask the night before the fight, uh, you know, how much tape did you watch on her? Did you watch tape on her? Was there something you in, in your team at the lab drilled that, uh, that sort of you were thinking about, or was it mostly just like going from memory? Um, we had just worked on some specific combinations that we think are going to work on anybody. And so the whole focus of like everything that week was just focus on yourself. It doesn't matter. You could fight anybody and just do what you're good at no matter what it is. And, um, I don't know. I, since training at the lab, I've become a really well-rounded fighter and pretty good everywhere. So to be able to adapt to a game plan like that, um, was kind of cool for me to see that all that training for the last three or four years has been really paying off. Um, and I think if she had taken me down, like I'm pretty slick off my back. I have a good grappling game, especially off my back. So um, maybe that's what made her nervous because I think she knows that. So I, I've really honestly just felt like I'm just going to do my best wherever this fight goes. And I've been in the game long enough to have an idea of what to do everywhere. So we'll just roll the dice and came up came up snake eyes for us this time which is good yeah and it, it was a very impressive performance so i'm going to backtrack even a little bit further here so 
I've only, I think in my life, seen one person show up to weigh-ins without a fight. And I think that person was only just looking to get his show money that he would get if he was, you know, contractually made made weight. I don't think I've ever seen somebody show up to a weigh-in hoping that a fight fell apart or hoping that they could get a fight. (laughs) What what attributed to so much hope on the night before that you really thought uh, something was going to happen? Was there a fight that you particularly had your eye on? No, um, we actually were showing up to get our show money. So <laughs> I, I like where your head's at, though. I like the storyline, but it's just not true. Oh. Um, I had had a fight booked. I actually was supposed to fight on the tough finale um, against a woman from Brazil. Mm-hmm. And her visa fell apart, like, at the very last minute. And so I was talking to the matchmaker, and I was like, Mick, let me come out and be an alternate, please. I said, there's 14 women in my weight class on this card. I was like, that is 14 chances that something's going to go wrong. And you know Sajara's big ass is going to miss weight. (laughs) And uh, he just kind of laughed. And at first he was like, no, like we're not going to do that. So uh, he said, we'll rebook you for Fresno. So I said, okay, fine, suck it. And I went out, and I had a big cheat meal, and like I – Went and ate because I was like, well, I don't have to make weight this week. Well, then he called back and he was like, okay, come out. (laughs) He said, why don't you come be an alternate? And uh, he said, if you make weight, we'll give you your show money. And if somebody misses weight, then you'll be in. I was like, all right, sweet, on my way. So I went out. I was actually late to fight week. I showed up a day later than everybody else. And I was like several pounds heavier than I would have been normally. So, But it honestly just worked out so, so well. But yeah, and then when uh, when Sajara did fall out, oh, I was so hoping I would get a rematch with Nika. And I was like, please put me in the main event. And they said, no. They said, Roxy's going to go in the main event, and you're going to have to fight Barb. And I said, all right, we'll do it. Yeah, and, and that actually brings me to my next question. So in your, your post-fight interview, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're coming for that title. How, how soon are you ready to get in there again? And is that the fight you think you're going to get? Um, I don't know. You know, that's something that my team is going to have to talk to the UFC about, like, I would like to get a rematch with Nico now that I'm back with my camp and, and able to have, you know, coaches that I trust in my corner. I think it would be a much different fight. And besides that, I think I had the closest fight with her of anybody that season. You know, she whooped the shit out of everybody else, but our fight was super close, and I think it should have gone to a third round. So I just want my third round, you know. <laughs> That's all I'm really looking for. But um, there are a lot of really good women in that division. But if it had been Barb and Roxy, fighting still, I would have thought that that would have been the number one contender fight, you know? So for me to step into that spot and then win like that on such short notice with no game plan and no training camp, like for, you know, specifically for Barb, um, I think that says even more about that victory. Yeah. And I think that that's a fight too, that a lot of people saw as the number one contender fight with, with those two being the one and two seed. So you beating the two seed and obviously the one seed not working it out. Uh, it, it would seem that you were at least very, very close to it. Um, did did you watch the title fight, and what did you think of Nico's performance in the title fight? I actually was so jacked up after my fight that I didn't watch it. Like I was like in the locker room, just floating around and talking to my coaches and cuddling with my husband. And um, my my teammate Sean O'Malley fought right after me, and so both of us were in the back and doing media and press and just patting each other on the back and jumping up and down and hugging and you know all that kind of stuff so i actually haven't seen the main event fight yet 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's that's fair enough there too. And uh, I I can't think of anything you'd rather be doing after a big win than celebrating with teammates and loved ones. So uh, Lauren, we want to thank you again for the time. Congratulations on the big win. Uh, Lauren Murphy, once again, picked up a big win over Barb Harnshock this weekend at the tough finale. Thanks so much for the time, Lauren. Thank you for having me. And we, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and that was Lauren Murphy and Josh Emmett. All right, let's take it from uh, Josh Emmett first, Gumby. What a week for Josh Emmett. Uh, he takes the fight last minute, so to speak, against Ricardo Lamas. Feel bad for Lamas, too. He thought he was fighting Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo gets moved to fight Max Holloway. Emmett steps up on short notice, then misses weight, then promptly knocks Ricardo Lamas out in the first round. Uh, but what a week for Josh Emmett. He's now 4-1 and one in the UFC. The 1 is a split decision loss to Desmond Green. He shoots all the way up to 5th uh, in the rankings. Uh, what do you think interviewing him, and uh, what do you think of the week that was for Josh Emmett? Yeah, I, I think it's incredible. Uh, I, I did want to give him some props there for two, even though he wants Ricardo, or he wants to fight uh, Brian Ortega is as his next opponent, uh, giving Ricardo Lamas kind of that open-ended uh, offer for a rematch where the UFC, if they think that that's the best thing because he missed weight. I, I don't think anybody, including the UFC, wants to see that. But you, you got to be able to pat him on the back a little bit uh, for being like the honorable guy there. I, I love the idea of seeing him fight Ortega. Yeah, that's a fight I would see. I mean, the featherweight division to me right now, uh, featherweight is so deep. I mean, there are so many guys there, and you can match almost any of them up between our show's favorite, Zabit, to the human video game, Yair, and really, Zabit's a human video game as well, uh, Mursad Bekdik, I mean, even Darren Elkins as a bit of a uh, underdog on a win yeah. streak right now. There are tons of guys in that division and, I love. And, and, you know who, and you know who nobody's talking about, too, is Calvin Guitar out of Boston uh, made his UFC debut on short notice and beat Andre Feely. Uh, which is a guy nobody's talking about, and and he fights uh, Shane Burgos, who's three or four and zero in the UFC as well at featherweight. So there's even more coming that less people are talking about too. It, yeah, that division is just absolutely stacked. Now, when it comes to Lauren Murphy and the state of the 125 pound division, I mean, you know, she, if nothing else, is so open and so honest. And you know, I enjoyed hearing uh, you get a chance to catch up with her. But w what do you make of her place right now? Um, and, and you know what her chances are of a title shot down the road. I, I mean, I, I think she makes really good points about you know like where she stands. I, I mean, it's a brand new division. Uh, she beat the person who was in the house was number two. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure when I saw the UFC rankings, I'm pretty sure they put her at three overall. Um, so you got to imagine she's like maybe one fight away. Uh, and I, I really liked what she said about uh, getting Mick Maynard to let her weigh in. Because uh, to me, that's just so smart. And, and what an opportunist. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I might have said women's strawweight out of habit. But uh, that uh, flyweight division. Flyweight. Yeah, the flyweight division. I, I'm happy that she's there. And it's a growing division that, you know, listen, the UFC has done a phenomenal job. Strawweight is one of the more female strawweight is one of the more exciting divisions in all of MMA. Uh, obviously what Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate down to Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm uh, have done with women's bantamweight. So it's kind of exciting that there's a third women's division now, and it'll be interesting to see you know, who the flag bearer for it becomes over the next couple of years. Yeah, you, you, mean, you mean fourth division? 
Oh God, <laughs> come on! Well, you're right. You're right. I guess we there got, is we got a title fight coming up. That's that right. Time. But with still only three fighters in the whole division, and uh, is Jermaine Duran to me even still a 145er? I don't know. No, they got it ranked in bantamweight. Uh, I, I I give up. All right. So <laughs> the big news of the day is that Floyd Mayweather may or may not be in negotiations to come to the UFC. This is something. I mean, we all doubted the fact that Connor would go to boxing. I never in my wildest dreams thought that Floyd would come to the UFC. I think it's just promotional tactics, keep his name out there. I don't know what the end game is. I'll see it when I believe it. I think this is more uh, you know, fictitious than the idea of Conor going to boxing a year ago, even though that came true. But if he came over, Gumby, who would you want to see him fight? Oh God! So what is what does he weigh roughly? Like one fifty? Uh, yeah, he could come up to one fifty five. You, you know, I think they go one forty seven. You know, boxing is like every two and a half pounds. But yeah, you're so looking probably somewhere in the one fifty five range. So e- e- either a featherweight or a lightweight. We're gonna say that's right? probably what you'd want to go with, unless you tell me he's gonna fight GSP, cutting down from one ninety four. I don't know. Oh God! Yeah. So I, I mean, if we're talking about, we just want to see the craziest shit we possibly can i mean the the correct answers are gsp and conor mcgregor right we want to see the craziest shit possible and barring those two we want to see him fight nate diaz right Mm -hmm. like those are the the two or three crazy ones but if we're looking for like an actual matchup i don't know I, i guess i'd want to see him against somebody who has got kind of interesting striking that isn't just boxing. Somebody like maybe like Edson Barboza would be a oh. really interesting pick to me. Yeah, because the kicks um, would be a very interesting component to have to see yeah, Floyd and, deal and, with and kicks. And that's obviously not talking about like who the UFC would promote. Like I, You're not going to bring Floyd Mayweather over and have him fight Edson Barboza, but if we're talking dream matchmaker scenario, how, how does Floyd Mayweather deal with a dude who's kicked you know tko leg kick on more than one occasion <laughs> well that's, so like, yeah i, I want to see that i think nate diaz makes a lot of sense because um you know nate diaz's style is almost that of a boxer he never kicks legs he never checks leg kicks obviously if he got floyd on the ground he would choke him within four seconds but i think nate ever the showman would probably stand and trade with floyd um he's obviously a lot bigger than floyd but here would be my top 5 just from a dream of seeing floyd get destroyed i think he owes connor one so i'd love to see him versus connor him versus tony ferguson oh my god, oh god. uh and obviously i would love yeah i would love yeah i would love to see habib eat about 15 shots to the face real quick and then drag him down to the ocean that is Habib's world on the ground where he's the shark and just see him beat him up from featherweight I think it would be a really nice thing to have Frankie Edgar fight him obviously I mean any of these guys are going to destroy him on the ground Edgar's wrestling would be just too much but you know he's Frankie Edgar he's the godfather of the UFC he deserves that kind of paycheck you know yeah I I think the Habib one would be probably the funniest (laughs) if you fucking hate Floyd Mayweather, and, and I'm not a fan. I, I, I'm okay admitting that. If you hate Floyd Mayweather, you want him to fight Habib. Uh, because I'm pretty sure, I, I knew you said Habib would take like 16 jams. There is no way Habib takes a single punch from him. He just power sprints across the cage, yeah. power doubles him against the freaking cage, and just rains down nasty strikes. So it should... I, I think it looks similar to... 
to uh, Randy Couture, James Tony. He's I, just going to sprint and get the takedown. I think almost anything's going to look similar to Randy Couture, James Tony. But yes, great, great historical point. So might, it should be said also, Mighty Mouse has offered to come up and wait and fight Floyd. Which to, I say, fight TJ Dillashaw first, and then come talk to me, Mighty Mouse. Yeah, who's TJ's best or DJ's best win against? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Uh, Henry ben, Benavidez. Benavidez. Yeah, Benavidez. Sixteen yeah, times. I like Benavides. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll go through this real quick, Gumby. Um, you know, there have been a lot of call-outs here. You had Till and Wonderboy. You obviously had on our show Emmett and Ortega. Um, who else might I be forgetting here in the past couple Oh, you're days? missing um, Kamaru Usman wants a little Colby Covington action as a tough coach. Yeah, but I've also seen that Covington wants RDA, which I think makes a lot of sense because Woodley had surgery. So there's your interim title fight. Yeah, I, so 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 many good ones there too. Oh, and David Branch called out uh, Yoel Romero. Oh, that's nice to see that someone actually called out Yoel Romero because yeah, I feel like who most the people fuck wants to fight Yoel Romero. <laughs> exactly, I feel like people typically uh, avoid him. But yeah, you know, it's a uh, it's always a fun time. You know, the UFC booked everything through December thirtieth, and now we're starting to get all the fights for the beginning of the year, and obviously kicking off in Boston with the big pay per view of uh, Cormier versus. Uh, Ozdemir double build with Stipe versus Naganu. That's such a great fight, and we'll obviously start to sprinkle in some more fights in the first quarter. Um, so it's kind of a fun time to be alive as uh, we round into the new year. Yeah, and you also got that card in St. Louis too that comes before Boston. Uh, I think it's like January fourteenth. It's I think it's the first card of the year. Uh, like underrated fight pass card headlined by Jeremy Stevens and Duhu Choi. I'm so, very uh, excited by that fight. Yeah, yeah. That, that, absolutely going to be a throwdown. And, and that's the first time we've seen Duhu Choi since the thrilling classic of him versus Cub Swanson a year ago. Yeah, so what do you do when he has a thrilling classic with Cub Swanson? You put him in there with slightly slower Cub Swanson. You also have Uriah Hall versus Vitor Belfort on that card, by the way. Yeah, super underrated. And February, too, has got some sick fights, too. Eric Anders headlining against Loyola Machida. There's a chance for an up-and-comer to make a big name for himself right there. Do you really call, I'm going to be a stickler on this. Uh, do you really call that a sick fight? I think it's a sick fight. I mean, it, like, look, okay, so Machida couldn't handle Derek Brunson's pressure, and he hasn't fought in three years. Do you still not think Loyola Machida is super talented? Because I, I still do. And... Eric Anders is just like a beast of physicality. He'll probably come in as the favorite, but at the same time, like he's never fought somebody with like skills, like like serious fucking skills. All right, you talked me into it. Well, I'll tell you the one in February that I'm really excited about, and that's Whitaker Rockhold. Oh yeah, it's freaking killer. And rumor this morning, uh, or actually right before taping time here, uh, got a rumor from a Polish source who then mm-hmm. sourced it to MMA Kings, Nolan King, uh, who's usually a pretty reliable source. They're also rumoring a second title fight for that card with uh, Rockhold and Whitaker that's going to be um, Rose Namajunas and Tisha Torres. Boom. You so heard it here props first. to them uncovering that if that for is, is the real deal. That would be the third fight between them and a tiebreaker, too. All right. Well, I like it. Well, hey, listen, this has been another 
absolutely great episode. We can't thank our sponsors enough. We thank Josh Emmett for coming on the show. We thank Lauren Murphy for coming on the show. Thanks to Flow Combat, our mother ship. And we always want to thank our loyal fans. Follow us on Twitter, Top Turtle MMA. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a download in the iTunes store, uh, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, wherever you are listening to this. We gosh darn appreciate it. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We'll be back next week, Christmas, New Year's week, with Art Davey and a very historical look at the first ever UFC. We'll catch you then.